it is always good to have to interrupt the joy of Christian fellowship. The interrupting part. It would be better if we could let it go on. Let's begin this morning by singing number 202. Okay, thank you. Number 202, and if it is convenient for you, would you please stand while we sing this? It's kind of hard to sit during this hymn. in your word. Without your word, we couldn't see. Because of your word, we can see that your word became flesh and gives us life. And Father, we look forward to that life with you forever. And in the meantime, help keep our eyes open and help us to read your word to, so that we can always have hope and expect you and look forward to you coming again. And we love you with all our hearts, minds, and soul and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. To help us prepare our thoughts for the Lord's Supper this morning, consider him.
song is actually quite fitting. Uh, this morning to help us prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks of the cup in the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must examine himself in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So when we, when we read those verses, we're asked to consider him in ourselves and what, what the sacrifice that was made for us. We often look at this as a moment of, of sadness, but it's actually a moment of glory and grace and appreciation that we should have because of the gift that has been given to us. Uh, looking at that sacrifice, you know, being a parent, I can't imagine what it's like to sacrifice a child for others that you don't know and frankly others that despise you. So when you, when you look at the gift that the Lord has given us through the sacrifice of his son, it, it helps us take a, a small step back and look at the suffering that we may be enduring and realize how trivial and small it is in the grand scheme of things. Uh, will you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you sent your son and offered him as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven and join you and understand the glory and the love that you have and that, that just embodies you. Father, we ask that you allow us to look at our own lives and look, help us look for ways to simply be able to embody that in ourselves and let others see your love reflected through us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let us continue in prayer for the cup. Father, we approach your throne again, grateful for the blood that was spilled on our behalf, the blood that cleanses the sins that we have committed, the ones we have committed, the ones we will commit, and Father, the forgiveness that washes over us with that. We, we just don't have the words to simply express the gratitude that we have and the gratefulness that we have, and we just ask that you help our hearts always be attuned to the gift that you've given us so that we may be examples of the gratitude that you are seeking for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to give a prayer for our giving and for y'all who don't know there's boxes back by each door that are mounted kind of on the brick wall there's a maroon one a blue one and a Tennessee orange one so uh, so if you would please join me in prayer our Heavenly Father we're very thankful for all you've given us not only spiritually but the physical blessings we have as well Lord we we pray Lord that these funds that are given we pray that that you will bless them, that they can help reach people in various ways. We pray that it will help meet needs and, and hunger as well as spiritual hunger as well. Lord, we pray that this giving this morning will be a blessing upon each of us, a kind of a blessing, Lord, that will just help us continue to give and give and give. For it's in thy son's name we pray. Amen. At this time, the uh, children may be dismissed to their church and classes. And before the lesson this morning, in heavenly love abiding. In
So we're continuing our sermon series, New Year, New You, Transformation of the Minds, what we're talking about today. The year is 2022. And what we're going to talk about today is a little bit difficult. It's going to be a little bit hard to swallow at times because the truth of the matter is the world is not your friend. The world is not your friend. And unfortunately for all of us, in my opinion, at least um, from what I've experienced in ministry, all of us can be pretty friendly with the world. But the world is not your friend. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's a passage that says something pretty plainly. It's, it's, it's about as plain as I could find it in the Bible. I was looking for the most plain way the scripture says exactly this. Let's read it. Verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the wise person in this world today? Right? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Are we in the middle of debates right now? Is there lots of matters of opinion? Are facts blurry right now? Have they always been? Seems like truth is in constant change when truth should be the only thing that is constant. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what... It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. What's that, what is that saying? Everybody wants proof. When you were young in Christianity, when you were young in your religion, when you were young in your relationship with Jesus, did you ever seek that out? Did you ever think, I'm going to find this, this missing piece, right, that's going to 100%, without a doubt, prove that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and it's going to change the world? It's not there. There isn't, there isn't the, the, the 100% moment. It doesn't come. And part of that, in my opinion, is because there's been a lot of things that have hidden things. A lot of things that have, have destroyed things that would have given us that proof. But it's not there anymore. It's gone. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, you know, the Bible's the most burned book in the entire world in all of history. And some of the biggest churches in our world that still exist today were some of the biggest culprits of burning Bibles in this world. A lot has been erased. A lot has been covered up. But here's the reality. It comes down to faith. But as I always say, not blind faith. 
It's the simple truths. It's the things that we see every single day that can prove God over and over and over in our life. It's, it's, it's not that final point that you get to where you say, I found it. Here's the nail that went through Jesus's foot, right? Here, here's the veil that they covered him with, right? Here's the uh, spear that they stuck in his side. Man, the world's been looking for all that. The Catholic Church claims they have all that. We've done DNA analysis on half of that. What's it proven? What's it done to change the world? Look at verse 21 again. For since in the wisdom of God, God gave you the wisdom. God gave the world his word. That is the wisdom of God. You read the wisdom of God and you can see that it is wisdom. You can see the truth of the world start to play out in front of you. But you have to read it. The problem is most people don't even take time to read it. It's just the truth. Here we are now, we live in 2022, you can literally get in your car, your phone will hook up automatically to your car if your car's new enough, right? You literally have applications on your phone that are free to download if you don't own an Apple. That was a joke, that was a joke. And you can go anywhere and the word of God can be read to you in a voice that's kind of entertaining. How much do we do that? See, 20 years ago, we would have said, how often do you pick up your Bible? Is there cobwebs on your Bible? You don't even need your Bible anymore. You have your phone and you have your little secretary that'll read it for you. Just click the button. We still don't do it. Right? So because he gave us the wisdom of God, because it's right there for all to read, and once you read it, it becomes plain to see, right? And, and we don't take time for it. We don't do what we should do with it. And I'm, I'm talking about the world in general. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach. What's the folly of what we preach? What's the folly of what we preach? Kind of sounds like it's saying, Paul is saying that it pleased God in the error of what we preach. Yes and no, right? The error is not that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he came and died for the sins of all and three days later rose from the grave. That's the error to the world. That's the folly of the gospel, right? There is no proof. Where's the proof? Show me the grave. Show it to me. Show me the tomb where he was buried, where I can see it without a shadow of a doubt. I know that's where they put him. Show it to me. Right? To the Jews, they demand a sign. Show it to me. Give me the one thing I can't deny. Where's the cross? Where's all this? Shouldn't have this stuff been enshrined? Show it to me. And for the Greeks... For the Gentiles, wait, so you're telling me the Son of God came to earth to be king and was born a lowly birth in a manger to a virgin that nobody believed? 
That's your gospel? And then wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that after that he grows up and then the son of God, who has 100% the power of God, right? They kill him? How do you kill God? Have you ever seen the, uh, they say it's the oldest graffiti of someone who hated Jesus Christ? Have you ever seen that? It's on a wall in a cave. Okay? And it's a man, and he's on a cross, and he's got a donkey's head. He's got a donkey's head. And on top of that donkey's head is a sign that says, King of the Jews. You never seen that before? That's what the Gentiles thought of Jesus. You know what a donkey stands for. I don't need to spell it out for you. A stumbling block. You guys are fools. How could you believe such a thing? I mean, for goodness sakes. Everybody knows the Greeks, what we call now mythology, makes a whole lot more sense than the Bible. But to those who are called, verse 24, but to those who are called, Called, set apart, holy, both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Listen, when I started by saying the world is not your friend, the world does not believe this. The world is not making decisions in their reality, in their life, every single day because Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. They actually think the opposite. Are you listening to what people are saying these days? You know what the biggest problem in the world is? It's actually not unvaccinated. It's religion. Are y'all paying attention? You see, religion is extremely important because, you know, it teaches us things about love and respect and, 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 and gives us these good qualities. But the problem is, but the problem is, everybody argues, everybody fights. And what does that create? Eventually it creates war. And so really, religion is the problem. Are you not paying attention? Because they're saying it clear as day. You know what's interesting about the Christian movement, about the churches in general? You know it's something that sets the church apart from almost every other religion? Go look it up yourself. You'll find this to be true over and over and over and over again. Christians help people even when it's not their business. Even when it's not their country, even when it's not their religion, even when it's not their problem. Christians help people even when they're not going to get anything for it. 
You understand? We have a food giveaway. How many people are here today that came from the church from the food giveaway? Came to the church? That's not why we do it. We don't do it for that motivation. We don't do it because it's bringing tons of people to church. We do it because it's the right thing to do. Because you take care of the poor and the needy. And you make sure that even the stranger that's in your community is fed if you can help it. Not because it might lead to a conversion. That's something that sets Christianity apart. You know why? Because the word of God is wisdom. And that wisdom teaches us something different than everybody else's book that's been written by men. Men think, if I do this, I will gain this. Right? That's how we all think. People think, if I do this, what will I gain? What will it cost me? We weigh the cost, right? When Jesus talks about, if you're going to follow me, right, you better weigh the cost, right? A king doesn't go to battle without at least examining who he's fighting against, right? That's how we think. We weigh the cost in this decision. How much is it going to cost me? Christ changed you from thinking like that. The wisdom of God changed you from thinking like that. Now you think it's the right thing to do. It doesn't matter how much it costs. It's the right thing to do. I don't care about the cost. Verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the meekness of God is stronger than men. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. You realize the entire weight of the intelligence of the world has, has tried to discredit this one book. It's the most powerful book in the world. It's the most powerful. More good happens in the world because of this book than any other book in the world. Why would they try to erase it? Why would they try to fight it? It's foolishness. And the ways that we are become, the ways that intelligence at this point in our lives, oh man, I know everybody's busy. I know everybody's busy. Me and my wife have this conversation all the time. It's like, man, there's so much coming out every single day and there's so much going on in the world every single day and technology has sped up the world, shrunk the world in so many ways that it's like, it's almost impossible to keep up anymore. If you actually are working a job or two jobs at this point because the economy's bad or whatever, you know, and, and how do you have time? You know, we went from a society where one person went to work and one person stayed home, raised family, paid attention to the world. Now we live in a society where everybody goes to work and nobody has time to pay attention anymore. But the intelligence of the world, of the world, if you're paying attention right now to a Christian, is starting to sound really, really, really foolish. I'm going to give you one today that I've been holding back on simply because we live in the digital world these days. And I already know that what I'm about to say is probably not kosher to YouTube and the things that we use to get our message out there. But I'm going to say it. 
The same people who tell you to trust the science are the same people who tell you anybody is whatever gender they want to be based on how they feel. That's not science. It's not science. It's foolishness, you guys. He takes the wisdom of the world and makes it foolish. He takes his dumbest thoughts and makes it wise compared to what you're going to learn from the world. I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable. This is what I said. We're getting friendly with the world. We're getting friendly. Man, there's parts of the Bible that are starting to get really uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to talk about those anymore. I don't know if you should preach about those anymore. We're getting friendly with the world. Look, we're all sinners. I'm not up here to pretend like I'm self-righteous or pretend like I'm perfect or pretend like I've got it all figured out. I don't. I don't. I'm a young man trying to figure this out to the best I can with the compass of the word of God. If it doesn't bounce off of this thing in the right way, I'm not following it. Does scripture talk about multiple genders? Does it? No, it talks about multiple choices though. Multiple ways to live. It only talks about two genders. God created only two genders. Okay? Let's keep going. I know. I'm get myself in trouble today. It's going to be fun. Ephesians 4, verse 22. See, you have to put off your old self. Your old self believed what the world told you. The world was important to the way you thought. You have to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Your former manner of life was based on what the world taught you. You were filling out the world and you were experiencing the world through the lens of the world. That's your former life, okay? And it is corrupt. Do I need to go any further? It is corrupt through deceitful desires. See, you will deceive yourself for your desire. Do you realize that? I hope so. I've already done it to myself at least once in my life. I'm sure you have too. Pretend like something was going to actually go one way and turn out to be some <gasps> surprise. Never saw this coming. And then to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Renewed. Listen, we have been doing this. I know most of you have not seen every sermon that we've done in this series because we're not all coming back on Sunday night. We're not all watching the video on Sunday night. And that is not like, I'm not trying to call you out on that, but I'm trying to bridge that gap a little bit, okay? You go back and you look at uh, two Sunday nights ago when we talked about changing our heart. And you look at the scriptures that I've picked out and what you will see in all of these scriptures that I've picked out through this entire sermon, you come back tonight when we're talking about changing your spirit. Okay? You will see that they all start like this, with a word like renew. With a word like revive. Because the truth is, God knows. And this has not changed from all 
from the beginning of creation that the world is surrounding you. And it's going to get you down sometimes. It's going to get you doubting sometimes. It's going to get you questioning sometimes. It's going to get you downright mad at the Word of God sometimes. It's going to get you mad at your family of believers at the church you've attended your whole life sometimes. You've got to renew it. You've got to put off the old self again and again and again and renew in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God. When were you created in the likeness of God? When were you created in the likeness of God? When you're baptized? When were you created in the image of God? When were you created in the likeness of God? When you're baptized? Before you ever walked a day on this earth, right? Don't we agree with that? When God made man, he made man in the image of himself. Right? So why do you got to renew, put on the new self created after the likeness of God. I thought you were created that way to begin with because you've been exposed to the world. Look, not everybody in the world is out to get you. That's not what I'm saying. But the reality is there's two sides to every equation. You have the good side, which is Jesus and, and, and God and the Holy Spirit and, and, the, and the angels and all the spiritual beings of heaven, whatever that means. But there's also a bad side of the world. There's a devil. There's demons. And there's spiritual warfare going on around us every single day. Listen, evil wants your soul just as bad as God does. So you're born into this world, and even though some of us were lucky enough to be born into a Christian family which started instilling God's wisdom into us when we were young, we by nature, as humans, made of flesh. Man, we struggle with that. We question that at every turn. We challenge that. We have to go out and try things before we figure out what's right and what's wrong. And we come to a place where we all go get baptized because even though we were created in the image of God, we have this corrupt, deceitful, desiring body of sin that lives within us that we got to throw out that we got to cast off that the world taught us was okay a long time ago and like I said man if there's anything I want to to get through to us before 2022 is over so I'm sorry if you get tired of hearing me say it Repentance is not a one-time thing. It doesn't just happen before you're baptized. It happens lots of times after you're baptized. Renewal is not, rebirth is not just a one-time thing. We got to start over every single day. His mercies are new every morning. And now I got to go fast. I get so excited. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, 
arm yourself with the same way of thinking. See, that's what we're talking about. There's a mentality that comes with Christianity where it says, you know what? I can't trust everything in the world. You know what they call that these days? Conspiracy theorists. I can't trust everything in the world. You're a conspiracy theorist. I'm serious. You know what the Bible's been telling you your whole life? Don't trust everything in the world. The Bible's a conspiracy theorist. You are right. You know that? You are right. People have called me conspiracy theorists for years now. I wear that as a badge of honor because my favorite conspiracy is that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross to save mankind from all of their sin. By the way, he died, rose three days later. Who does that? And what did the world tell you after that moment happened? And the disciples stole the body. It's all conspiracy. My favorite conspiracy in this whole world. YouTube is getting us, aren't they? Everybody's calling. You hear what Matt's saying today? Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. That's what we're talking about. Thinking like Christ. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Man, isn't that the pursuit of life? To put your passions, your desires behind you and only live for the will of God. Isn't that the pursuit of life? That's why we got to renew it. You're going to have your ups and downs in that pursuit, but you got to keep renewing it. Keep coming back to the altar. Keep coming back to the cross. Keep coming back to Jesus. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, <coughs> excuse me, and lawless idolatry. You know what? I didn't put that up there to call everybody out, but I think you can almost call every single person out in one way or another with that verse alone, right? With respect to this, those sins, with respect to that specific group of sins, Peter says, they're surprised when you do not join them. What's wrong with you? This is who we are. This is natural for us. This is the way that we were born. Why don't you want to get drunk? We won't get into the rest of them. Don't act like you don't see it all around you. They're surprised. You know why? Because they have a different mindset. They don't think the way you think because you don't think like the world. He says, don't worry though. Even though they malign you, even though they speak evil against you, even though they plot against you, because you won't join in in their sin, because you call evil, evil. One day, they'll all, everybody will have to stand before Jesus and everybody will have to be judged. Another one that talks about the mindset, that talks about it's a mentality. Look, we're not here to start a war. 
But we are here to win a debate, you guys. We're not here to start a war, but we are here to defend the truth. We're not here to start a war, but we are here to preach the gospel. Which is why we have to be ready. Because look, there are plenty of lofty opinions. And I'll be honest with you. Those lofty opinions that speak against God, that cause doubt in our kids, is happening younger and younger and younger. And I'm going to say something that I thought I would never say, and I used to make fun of the preachers before me for saying things like this, but you can see it in our cartoons. You can easily see it in our music. You can see it in the difference between our TV shows for those of us who are my age when we were kids versus what our kids watch now. How many of you actually thought it was silly that your parents used to monitor what you watched, but now you monitor what your kids watch? Me too, brother. We got to be ready for these arguments, these lofty opinions. That are what? Against the knowledge of God. But you know, there's another part to that. You gotta take every thought captive. You gotta control yourself too. You can't just let your mind wander. A wandering mind leads to just as much sin as listening to the world. That's what the world's trying to do is get your mind to wander. So, I wanted to end with this real quick. It's the Beatitudes, but I want you to look at this, and I want you to think about this from the perspective of the world. Is this stuff that the world has taught you to seek out? Is this stuff that the world has trained you to be like? Or is this stuff you have become because of the wisdom of God? Is this stuff that has become important to you because of the Word of God? Is this become important to you because literally Jesus spoke it, and you read it? Matthew 5, probably one of the most famous parts of all of Scripture, the Beatitudes. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight. And I hope you're ready, because I promise you, we've kind of whitewashed what it means to be poor in spirit. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. That's a big part of tonight. But it's exactly what it sounds like. Poor low in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Has anybody taught you to be meek? Meek will get you a long way in life. No, meek will get you taken advantage of. We don't know that. The more meek you are, the more people will run you over. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, this is where everybody comes to the truth of God's word. Because what we're all actually seeking is satisfaction, fulfillment. And when we step out of the word of God, it's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. It's temporary. And it causes drama and damage in our lives. Stay inside the word of God, it's fulfilling. It's satisfying. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed, blessed, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is greater in heaven. Because remember, as we started out COVID and went through the Old Testament, they persecuted the prophets and killed almost all of them long before you ever lived. I know. Pretty intense way to end, isn't it? But the truth is, the world is not your friend. And if your life is super comfortable, you don't ever have a tough spot in your life, and you don't ever have a time of persecution, you don't ever have a time where people are gossiping and spreading rumors about you, and you don't ever have a time where somebody's not getting along with you and doesn't like you just because of what you're doing, because you think you're doing the will of the Lord, well, you're pretty comfortable with the world because that happens all the time. Transformation of the mind happens when the truth of God's word becomes plainly seen and understood. Wisdom and discernment are gained during these times of transformation. See, you have to get to that point to where you're taking what you've learned and putting it into practice and then playing it out because once you start to play it out, you will see the foolishness of the world and you will see the wisdom of God. And when that clicks, things change forever. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. They click and change forever. And in those moments, discernment are gained. You can start to feel when you're going in the wrong direction. You can feel it before you ever get there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Nobody likes to talk about it because it makes you sound crazy. But your heart is speaking to you long before you ever get to your sin. Your mind is speaking to you long before you ever get to your sin. And you know what's even more important than that? The Spirit is speaking to you long before you ever get to your sin. But you've got to put the word of God to the test. And you've got to see the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Number two, what would it be like to be able to think like Christ in this life and about this world in all situations and in every occasion? How different would your mind be if you truly had the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God? How different would your life be if every single time you hit a fork in the road, there was a scripture that popped in your brain that literally told you what to do and led you where to go? Be different. You know it'd be different. New Year. 2022. I got to tell you, I think this is shaping up to be quite an interesting year in our world. I think our minds better be engaged. But I also think they better be grounded in the Word of God. Because lofty opinions, they're speaking out. 
Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, he did. He is the Son of God. He did come to this earth. He did walk amongst men, and he did die on the cross. And let me tell you something. They couldn't kill him. He laid down his life. That's why when he said it was finished, he breathed his last breath and gave up his spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. He died when he wanted to die. They couldn't kill him. And yes, three days later, he rose from the grave as all the prophecies said. The sign of Jonah. Three days in the belly of the fish. He rose from the dead. And in that moment, he defeated death. He defeated sin. And you know what else he defeated? He defeated evil. Their time was up. The only way evil still has power over anybody in this world today is because they choose to follow it instead of the wisdom of the Lord. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you had your sins washed away? That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That means God, in his richness of grace and mercy, is going to forgive your sin despite the fact that you still sin. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you had your sin washed away? And more importantly, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling inside of you? Listen, God with us. Speaking to us. In our, speaking to our inmost being. That's what it means to be the temple of God. For those of us who have, My prayer is we see the foolishness of the world for what it is, and we stand strong and firm despite the enormous amount of social pressure that we are facing and will face. I pray we stand up for the truth of God's word, because in the end, at the end of the day, it is wisdom, and all the wisdom of the world is foolishness. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you standing strong? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt. Uh, if you didn't get a bulletin, please pick one of those up. There's a lot of information in there. I'm not going to go through all of it. Uh, there's a couple of updates that we had. Uh, Gene Eggy, uh, you know, he was suffering the flu. He's also got the shingles now. So it's called a adding insult to injury. So keep Gene in your prayers. Rita Smith, she's still struggling with her leg. Uh, she's got the brace now as opposed to the cast, and hopefully that's going to work better. Uh, but although there's a lot of other folks in here, uh, Gail's nephew, Gail's cousin, Mike Wall's cousin, suffering from cancer and things like that. So keep them in your prayers as well. There's, there's a lot of people uh, to keep in our prayers. Um, Ray and uh, Marie are here this morning, so it's good to see them here with us. Uh, they've recovered enough from the flu, so it's, keep them in your prayers. Prayers are effective. And uh, one reminder is uh, February the 3rd is the uh, senior adult trip. If you want to go on that one, let Sue know. They're still pulling people together to go on that trip. So if you'd like to do that, sign up. Before our closing prayer, we'll be seeing God be with you. We're going to sing the verses only and not the refrain.
Amen.